0: I'm Avery Smith, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi faith podcast of transgender stories. my friends i've got an interview for you this month but before that i always feel like i'm supposed to like say something about my life because why not um so my birthday is coming up in a few days and my wife uh, gave me a present early, and it's a really cool rock. It's moss agate, which is this sort of clear gemstone that has what looks like green moss in it, Um, and she got one that's polished to be shaped like a crescent, and it's really pretty and fun to fidget with and stem with and stuff. What else? Oh, Um, I got to preach about Joseph of Genesis at my church a couple weeks ago. Y'all might remember that I did a podcast episode where I talked about Joseph. Um, Well, I applied some of that and expanded it. It was really fun, and church folks were really receptive to it, which made my heart so happy. I talked about Joseph as a genderqueer figure, and also what Joseph's story of reunion with his brothers can tell us about the incredible difficult and complicated work of reconciliation, particularly when it comes to that very complex idea in our own day of racial reconciliation. With Joseph's story, we see that He was able to find a way to thrive, and he built a community around himself that did love and celebrate him without first having to, like, just forgive his brothers. Um, Sometimes we, I feel like we put pressure on people who've been abused or wronged to just forgive their abusers, but that should always, always be their choice, right? Um, And we see that with Joseph. We also do see that when he does decide he wants to start the process of sort of rebuilding a relationship with his brothers, the onus is on them to admit their wrong and prove that they've changed and that they, you know, won't hurt him again. well anyway, i'm not gonna- (laughs) if i- if you leave me to it, i will just ramble about joseph now for the next hour, which is not what i'm supposed to be doing right now. i'm supposed to be introducing you to the really cool person i interviewed this month. Um, If you do want to watch or read that sermon, you can find it if you search on Patreon or YouTube for Queerly Christian. But yeah, for now, you should definitely hear my conversation with Andy. Andy Thornton and I have a lot in common, despite living on different continents. We bonded over being autistic and loving a trans and sassy Jesus. They are also a scholar, like I am. But they're also a wonderful artist, which is not something I can claim to be. Also, I loved getting to hear from them about Quakers, who are also known as the Society of Friends. I thought I knew about Quakerism, but Andy told me so much that I hadn't known. We also talked a lot about the research that Andy has done on bi and trans exclusion within both queer spaces and Christian spaces, But you'll have to wait till next month to hear about all of that fascinating research they did. I'm saving those parts of our conversation for the special episode that I'm putting together on the themes of allyship, solidarity, and intersectionality. Speaking of which, if you want to contribute to that special episode, please, please, please do so. I am looking for the insights of trans and or non-binary people of any religious background. Tell me where you see trans people failing or succeeding at supporting other trans people or other LGBT people. Tell me where you see faith communities failing or succeeding at fully welcoming trans people. Tell me how you experience your transness intersecting with other aspects of your identity, for better or worse. You might tell me about how transphobia intersects with racism, ableism, classism, and other forms of oppression. Or you might talk about how transness intersects in a good way with your neurodivergence, or your culture, whatever. You are welcome to either write out your submission for me to read on your behalf, or you can record yourself. Either way, send those to me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. I originally set the deadline as September 1st for those submissions, but honestly, any time within the first week or so of September works fine. You can feel free to email me with any questions you have before you submit as well. Okay, so that's it for this side of the interview. Besides uh, just giving my thanks to Andy for putting up with multiple technical difficulties to get this conversation recorded, first of all, I miscalculated the time difference between me in Georgia and Andy in England, so I was late to our Zoom call and made them wait. And then my Wi-Fi was being incredibly difficult. So if you can tell, I'm a little discombobulated for the first few minutes of the interview. That's why. Andy, on the other hand, was unflappable. So without further ado, let's hear from them.
1: So my name is Andy Thornton. I am a sweet age of 23. Um, I am coming to you from a small country town near-ish London in England. Um, I've just graduated sociology. Before that, I did an art foundation. I am non-binary. I'm actually bi-gender, but I generally don't use the term because it feels very Tumblr (laughs) that I am (laughs) bi-gender. I should bring it in more. Uh, and my pronouns are they and he. And about me, I am a Christian. I'm a Quaker. I do a lot of art. I'm an illustrator as well. And I'm also currently unemployed. So you know, if there are any employers listening to this, let me know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I'll make sure to link um, to places where listeners can see some of your art and stuff because um, yeah. that's that's very cool. Um, when did you first like start getting into art
1: so uh my dad actually has a a picture of a monkey that i drew when i was like nine because like this is when i realized that you were good at art but um like I've, i've loved it forever and then i found sociology like near the end of school and that that sociology is basically all about like people and society and why people do things and I kind of fell in love with that so now I use my art as like a way of I don't know expressing people and how how I feel about things.
0: Oh that's really cool do you bring your faith or gender into that?
1: Yeah so for me like um Gender representation and kind of all forms of representation are really important. So, I generally try to make sure my art is extremely representative of marginalized, like people's Mm. identities, um, and to do that authentically. So, for instance, I have a children's book called Rebecca's Secret Grandpa, that's on Amazon, and in that, the grandma. well, they think it's a grandma, actually a grandpa. Um, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's like a kind of trans story. Yeah, so that I did three years ago. And now, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, there's, <laughs> there's so much I did not do. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I don't really bring my faith into my art as much as I would like. Okay. I think for me kind of so much of the religious iconography that I've seen is so mainstream or like mm-hmm. what I kind of found in my research of like Instagram Christianity and the very like whole <laughs> song um mm-hmm. so I, I am wanting to like make more religious imagery that isn't that but I haven't yet
0: I think the world definitely needs more of illustrations of what Christianity can be like and all of that, especially like your point of view as a Quaker. Um, when I think of Quakers, I tend to think of the United States because one of the main like things we learn in our history about Quakers is that the Society of Friends were some of the first white people in the U.S. who took a really firm stance against slavery. Yeah. Um, and so like you mentioned like in your art, you make sure to be representative of a lot of people and you have that sort of justice lens to it. Um, so even if you're saying your art doesn't really bring your faith in, I feel like that is a like, that seems like probably part of your faith. Do you feel like that is like, I would love to hear uh, your point of view as a, as a Quaker, especially one that's not in the US, which for with my very American centric lens, cause that's what Americans do. Yeah. My God is oh, Quakers America. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I can so get that. For here, it's just whenever I say I'm a Quaker, people are like, "Oh, the oats!" Like the oats, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> not like the oats." Um, oh no! <laughs> I came to uh, Quakerism because I moved to Bath, and there were a lot of churches in the area, and I was like trying out all of these new churches, and I was having issues with an ex at the time in a queer relationship. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if it's safe for me to go up and ask for prayer about this. And one of my friends who's a historian was like, oh, try the Quakers, they're (laughs) a (laughs) laugh. They're a laugh. And yeah, they've just, they're absolutely brilliant. I mean, they have been supporting gay marriage since like the 1900s. Oh, wow. It's a fantastic bit in, so the Quakers are like, they started off Christian. Now you can be kind of lots of different faiths within Quakerism.
0: Oh, cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. And, and that's amazing. And that's one of the reasons I really love it. But, um, we also have the Quaker faith and practice, which is kind of like a book about, quakerism it's kind of like a bible but way less holy and it gets revised (laughs) like 25 years or something okay Um, but in that there's a bit from i think it's 1905 and it's somebody saying um some people in meetings might um struggle with homosexual relationships we need to work with Mm. these people to improve their views (laughs) you know it's just so like on side um, wow.
0: And that's like all the way back in 1905 when, when, you know, polite society didn't speak of these things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So I think for me, as you said, actually, you've completely nailed it. Like being a Quaker is all about activism. There used to be a, mm-hmm. a kind of presumption that when you get to, I think it was 18 or 20, I can't remember. You obviously mm-hmm. would go into activism work as a Quaker. Like mm-hmm. and so as you say like to an extent I think a lot of my faith is very much like okay what can I do
0: yeah like how do you live it out um and so Quakers like have this history with um like the the gay part of LGBT right do you what what do you see with sort of the reception of you individually or and then also in general like for um the other parts of the LGBT community right
1: this is. I have so many possible answers to this. So bear with me, yeah. um, because I also worked at Friends House, which is like the Quaker HQ. So it was really interesting to see like Quakers from the inside. And Quakers have a big. Uh, they are overwhelmingly white.
2: Okay. Element, yeah.
1: And I think that that is that is a problem within Quakerism. I mean, it's also a problem within a lot of mainstream Christianity. yes you know yeah um quakers are very as you say quakers are very good at sexuality so for instance Mm -hmm. i go to i used to go to westminster meeting which they just have a history of gay quakers and it's gorgeous but um i have experienced transphobia from quakers which was very tricky for me because as you know they're supposed to be people who are very accepting. And I think mm-hmm. there's the the way that it was phrased that particular instant was, oh, well, you know, I want to learn more about this. So, you know, mm-hmm. you should tell me. And then when I did mm-hmm. try to be helpful and educational, then I was met with, oh, but what about this? And what about this article in the Daily Mail I read? Oh no, not the Daily uh, Mail. <laughs> yeah, at that oh. point I was like, we are not having this conversation. Um yeah. but yeah, so the young friends, so the way the Quakers have like a kind of um annual meeting,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is kind of like organized Quakerism, and then there's a young friends general meeting. And the young friends, I think it was a year ago, came out with a statement um explicitly supporting non-binary and trans identities. Oh nice. Which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and I think there are like I know I know a lot of Quakers who are very much pushing for that within general Quakerism, but you also have a lot of old friends who have a long way to go in a lot of things
0: that makes a lot of sense just it's hard to treat any any community as a monolith right so of course, even in a like in spaces that where there are a lot of people being like we have to be more trans and non-binary affirming Mm -hmm. of course there's still going to be people who are like so you're saying I can't add like I can't ask people (laughs) if they've had a certain surgery or like just like uh, I've had that experience at churches and other spaces Mm -hmm. too where they act like they want to learn and then they completely shut down like they really just want to debate you (laughs) and it's like
1: this is not academic this is my life
0: Yes, yes.
1: yeah. I get very thick of that. But then I suppose, as you say, like you know, you have that in all communities. We have that in the queer mm-hmm. community. You know there are yeah. so many so many issues of transphobia, racism and ableism in the queer community. Um, mm-hmm. And I think why I love the Quakers is they're good at saying they're wrong, and um, like they're very tolerant of kind of accepting lots of different uh, viewpoints. And they are, in, you know, in comparison to sort of say like the Church of England for us, I don't know what, I mean, there are lots of different American alternatives, but um, yeah, and the Meaning for Sufferings, which is like um, this kind of organization that you can be part of as a Quaker to kind of raise issues that Quakers want to address. And they recently like addressed like transphobia meetings, and I know Friends House are developing a set of resources and workshops to try and help meetings be better at um, being trans accepting so you know they are still trying
0: yeah yeah that's awesome and like oh the idea that they're so that they're open to being like oh we were wrong that's so important and and that that admitting to being wrong involves steps to making things right i think a lot a lot of churches could learn from that (laughs) yeah Yeah, um um, I'm glad, though, that you've been able to find that community. Can I, um, is your family background? Um...
1: No, so my dad's a Buddhist. Um, my oh. mom occasionally comes to carol services, but isn't particularly religious. Um, okay. I came to faith when I was 16 because of a, a, a slightly strange but fantastic miracle involving some of a preacher man by Dusty Springfield um it's <laughs> a whole story but basically yeah i came to faith independently but my parents have been very supportive in terms of like when i was younger ferrying me to church every sunday etc my brother um is a very big atheist and when we were younger he used to terrorize me by being like <gasps> but how do you believe how do you believe in a, a man in the sky what does god look like how can you believe in something that it looks like which at Uh the time was terrible, but actually I'm really grateful for it because I think it really like pushed my faith and I had to learn like Mm. how I really Mm -hmm. believe in this and this is what I think.
0: Yeah, especially phrasing like a man in the sky, like being confronted with how ridiculous that sounds does push you to consider other visions of of God, um, which you mentioned in your email, right? Just would you be open to talking a little bit about how you have come to imagine God, how, um, any sort of queerness goes into that and stuff? Cause that's one of my favorite topics in life.
1: <laughs> God is definitely queer. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I had this when, um, I used to go to a church and I, I used to be quite feminine presenting, but used the word Andy, um, for my name. So somebody mm-hmm. very gently came up to me and was like, I'm trans, and I don't know how to go to church. We went to to the priest, and uh, initially they were very, what seemed good, but then they were actually insidiously terrible. But what I said to him was, you know, God, we are created in the image of God. God is all genders. God is Mm -hmm. trans. Yes. At no point, like, the Bible regularly acknowledges and presents that um so I think for me I feel like and I feel a bit like this is kind of smug but it's fine I feel (laughs) like you know I am my non-binary gender is actually really holy because it it you know is similar to God it embodies God's principles of being all of these different things that come together in love Um, Yes, and I think it's been it's been a real journey because even So I I became a Christian and then I realized I was queer
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and I did so much praying, like the churches I was in were like, well, you should be celibate,
2: which Mm -hmm.
1: was a whole thing. Um, And I did all of this praying and was very much like, you know, God, if this isn't fine with you, then that's okay. But, you know, let me know. And I got nothing but this is fine, like this is love and this is like, you know, completely how you're made in your path. Um, and then when I realized I was trans, I was like, Oh, again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Step two.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like we need to do this again. But, um, I think that was really cool because it's, it's very hard. Um, especially when you, I mean, obviously not all trans people suffer body dysmorphia, but I do, Mm
2: -hmm. and I
1: think it's very hard when you do to not be like, God, why did you make me wrong?
2: yes because
1: it's like if if i felt like i should be like this then why did you make me like that but i think that's such a massive oversimplification of of what it is to be trans and also what it is to have the body that we want and i think um you know mainstream christian kind of right-wing arguments against like transness and trans bodies always kind of uh oversimplify how much a body signifies a gender yeah and i think i'm learning that like it's not that god made you wrong in the sense of you were made like one gender and you're actually another one it's so much Mm -hmm. more that like you know like anything there are elements that are terrible or that you can't stand and you just need to change those elements and actually you know the gender that god gave you is god making you perfect and exactly how they want you Mm -hmm. and that's amazing
0: Oh, my gosh, that is amazing. (laughs) You know? Oh, I agree so much. Like, for me, I've felt such an invitation from God to, like, join with God in the creation of me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I've gotten top surgery and gone on HRT. And obviously, yeah, not all trans people do that. But for me, that was part of my journey. And every step I take, I feel like God is there with me just, like, laughing in delight when I get excited God's like yes you're like you're becoming what I like like when we when we first like get born it's not like that's our final stage our final destination as a created being we all grow and change
1: yes completely completely right (laughs) and it's the same with you know you could apply that ridiculous argument to oh well I am like Oh, it always comes back to alcoholics. People always bring it back to alcoholics. So I'm going to do this <laughs> Um. Oh, you know, well, like being alcoholic is a sin. God didn't make them that way. And it's like, well, no. Okay. That's kind of the argument I've often got like, against being gay, right?
0: Oh, what a weird comparison.
1: I know. But oh. then it's like, well, in the same way, like if somebody is an alcoholic, that's that mm-hmm. point or that stage of their life that doesn't mean that that's their end kind of identity it's the same with anything Mm -hmm. whereas and it's the same with as you say about being trans like you learn and you grow and you become more yourself Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: the period that you experience body dysmorphia and are uncomfortable with yourself is not what god destined for you like we are all grown and there are so many examples in the bible of You know, people get their name changed all the time in the moment, all the time, Mm -hmm. and that they're constantly changing and shifting.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, just now, like, I'm stuck on that comparison because it is so, like, talking about alcoholics or trans people, um, whether you compare them or not, like, just completely... Overlooking, like you're saying, it's oversimplifying the issue because it's overlooking the social elements that come into people developing alcoholism or other addictions, like that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And same with things like body dysmorphia, gender dysphoria, these things, like if we lived in a world where bodies were not gendered so aggressively, maybe some of us wouldn't experience quite as much of that the the crappy part of being trans and we could yeah. jump right to the wonderful exciting part
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely. and i think that's something i've really struggled with because i'm a sociologist i'm very much like right. oh i like overanalyze massively my feelings mm-hmm. and i'm like oh well if we lived in a society where men were seen to have breasts and that was a perfectly normal thing for men to have mm-hmm. would i actually want to get like top surgery or not and mm-hmm. I was talking to my ex and therapist about this and she was like, well, I hate to tell you Andy, but I don't think society is going to change within the next yeah. five to 10 years that much. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, we can try, but don't, don't feel guilty for doing what you need to do. Do you know? Yes. And do like the,
0: the onus shouldn't be on us to change things, right? Like <laughs> it should be on the, the wider society that has me- has messed up so terribly.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a problem in Christianity um that I've certainly experienced as well that everything it's very it's become very individualistic. In oh, yes. Of you're doing wrong, you're sinning, and it's your problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talking about the individualism. Do you find that um the Quaker communities you've found, do they do a better job of being more, you know, communal?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think so um Something one of my friends said once was the Quakers are like the Ents in um Lord of the Rings, the the trees. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very much like sometimes they're too slow, but Quakers mm. are very much like we need to communally come to this decision. And mm. like including the children. Children need to have an active Oh um, yay. You know, they matter and their opinions yeah. are important, which I love. And so I think Quakers are often better, at, um, kind of being like, okay, well, I might not know, but like, d- let's discuss this and come to the best decision. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's literally in the Quaker faith and practice, there's a bit that's like, um, if you feel that you need to break the law, discuss it with your meeting.
0: Yeah. Is that law as in like Quaker law or like, no, the, like,
1: like the real, like law.
0: real laws and like civil disobedience yeah. stuff. Is it like, mm-hmm. okay
1: they mm-hmm. yeah. are quite civilly disobedient to be fair
0: so. yes which is which is so cool because yeah. like like i've been reading a lot about incarceration and then mm-hmm. christian how christians have been complicit in that in the u.s at least a lot of christians conflate the government's like laws of nations with the laws of god and you know what is moral um and so the idea of breaking the law is is seen as a sin yeah and that can like I like that Quakers have constantly been like, mm, "No, we." Can't. No, honey. Um, which is uh one fun thing about this conversation is just being able to, for me, get out of like the American Christian bubble. Um, mm-hmm. and again, like that's not monolithic, but it like, mm-hmm. it is. It's very cool to hear um what it's like where you are. Um,
1: yeah, it's interesting though because like what I found in my research was the kind of Hillsong bubble very Mm -hmm. much affects Christian culture here as well. Um, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. In terms of like, again, air quotes, like Instagram churches and like Instagram Christianity, which was very like, so there are loads of churches. Obviously you've in the UK, you've got like Baptists and Catholics and like a whole lot of denominations, but then you've got lots of church of England churches Mm. which also vary wildly in terms of how like traditional or inclusive they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously churches can be traditional and inclusive, but I mean, you know. Yeah. But then you have a lot of these kind of non-denominational churches. So like the New Frontiers, Vineyard to an extent, although they can be all right. Um, But lots of like, and they're very kind of cool like they focus to students and they have lots of flashing lights and good music and and they seem really uh hill song and really like accepting but there's this okay. like, insidious underlying like um very white very kind of middle upper class um respectability mm-hmm. politics and also very like no sex before marriage no homosexuality no transness so, so
0: it's like All are welcome, if you can play by our rules.
1: Yeah. You're welcome to be part of the church. No one will confront you, Mm. but we will all silently disapprove.
0: Oh, cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That makes for a a a a
0: healthy worship worship environment.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that sounds like accepting and loving and how Jesus would be. Uh, You're welcome to attend, but you can't be on church leadership. Right. Yeah, it's all very insidious. Very insidious. Yeah,
0: yeah which it like that subtle type of queer phobia isn't any better than more overt. in fact like to me it's it's even like oh if you don't know it's there when you join a community and you feel really excited to find a place where you belong and then you realize that there's that undercurrent it's really like it it's heartbreaking It's, it's really painful.
1: Yeah, I found that. So I joined a church this year, and I went for most of the year, and I was like, "Wow, I finally have a church home where I'm accepted, mm-hmm. which I've never had before." And then there were a few kind of orange flags that I ignored, and then uh, the like main priest gave a a big talk all about like how you know when Jesus ate with the tax collectors, he was speaking love, but you know, I'm sure he was also speaking truths and, like... Okay. And, like, then he started talking about sex workers and calling them prostitutes. Yeah. Very terrible. And it's like, it couldn't you have just been explicitly homophobic at the start so I didn't waste all my time?
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's so hard to find any kind of... Even places that, like, are trying to be really welcoming and it is still really hard, especially with... um. As someone in church leadership, I know it's really hard for a pastor or other faith leaders to, you can't control everything that every individual is going to say. Um, So you can find a church that like from the pulpit and um, in their mission statements and stuff, they're extremely trans-friendly and affirming. Mm -hmm. But still, you might talk to that one congregant who's going to do something really awkward, like ask you what your dead name is. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's something I found, so TOFT um, did research in 2014, and they found that a lot of churches that were explicitly queer and explicitly run by gay, uh, like members of the church were still Mm -hmm. exclusionary towards bisexuals, Mm. even within queer spaces, trans and bisexual people are still excluded
0: yeah and yeah so you've been that's something you've researched and written on how even within our own communities we're excluding and hurting each other
1: yeah and i think it's um it's really hard because i always feel like you know churches should be the first place that queer people can go because Mm -hmm. like jesus would have absolutely been the first place that anybody could go so it absolutely breaks my heart um I realize I completely did not mention um I don't know if it's relevant or not, but I'm also autistic, which is something I've relatively recently found out. Same. Oh yay! Love that. I guess. <laughs> at being, um have you heard of Green Belt?
0: No. Green so Greenbelt?
1: Green Belt. It's like it's a Christian festival in um like the middle of England. Okay. Um, and it's like a kind of an arts and music festival, which is it, it's explicitly Christian, but you could go and not do any Christian things the whole weekend, you know. But there's a lot of okay. like God talks and Bible talks. I there were so many queer Bible Bible studies, I actually physically couldn't go to all of them. Like it it was amazing. Mm-hmm. There was a, a drag king performance of Joan of Arc. Yeah um, And it was just so yeah. cool. But I went to the queer meetup and I was sitting on this table with I think six or seven other people who were all assigned female at birth, trans, masculine to like non-binary to trans man, quirky, mm-hmm. queer, bi and autistic. And I was like,
0: yeah.
1: there are so many of me. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it, I do feel like, a lot of those of us who are autistic find the genders assigned to us really stifling, or just like, like different degrees of like, why the heck would, why is this a thing? Like, no, and like just <laughs> refusing to s- stick to what we've been assigned.
1: Absolutely. Um, autistic people are just like, but why? But why? Yeah. Why should I want yeah. thing Why should I? Why? Why aren't you treating me the same? It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just um, w- that's one of my favorite things about being autistic is that it um, we're sort of predisposed to ask to not just take things as they are and accept the status quo. Which sounds to me like the Quakers, like what you were saying <laughs> about how how Quakers are um, are asking those questions too, right? Like, yeah. oh, you think we should break a law? Tell us about it. Why? Yeah, like, why? Absolutely. Why should we not accept this this law as just the way things are? <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's so much consideration and gray area, and I think it's. I know so many people who are who I'm like. You're a Quaker, you just don't know it, because of <laughs> like encompasses so much. Um, uh huh. Yeah, and for me, I think it's it's really helpful. I think there's something um, kind of really queer about that as well, and mm. and about being trans. So. I really like being autistic it's taken me a while but now I really like it because I'm like mm-hmm. actually I I just turn up and I'm completely authentic and I'm terrible at lying and I
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know um, I ask questions that I probably shouldn't <laughs> um, uh-huh.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: or you know I, I just talk about what I want to talk about and I think it's the mm-hmm. same with being trans like I've had people say to me in a way that is so nice they've been like you know I so I have this really great mentor um Chris Gee who's like um like 30 40 year old white cis straight man um okay. <laughs> and when we when we first met uh he was like so let like let's talk about the fact you're trans and I was like oh god um <laughs> help me but he was amazing and he was like if I'm honest, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because mm. you know your generation, you you and and trans people, you are brave enough and brilliant enough to just be authentically yourself, and that's amazing.
2: Oh, and I was yes. like, I
1: stop it. But it's so true. <laughs> like, it's, it's an honor to be trans. It's a blessing to be trans because actually, it forces you to be like, I'm gonna, you know, honor myself and honor what God made me, and and mm-hmm. be authentic. And that Mm -hmm. allows people who are around you to also be themselves. It gives them permission.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that.
1: Like I'll happily dance in the street and lie on the floor. And I'm, I'm, (laughs) I don't do social, like I do social cues in the sense of a lot of people who I'm friends with, were like, you're autistic really, because I'm very Mm -hmm. good, like socially, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the normal rules of like how one should behave in public. I just, they don't occur to me. And people yeah. are always like, "Wow, you're so like great for not giving a shit." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I don't understand and <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's yeah, very
1: It's very cool,
0: yeah. I think something a lot of people don't get about autism is like it's not that we don't know how to, like it is like it doesn't come natural. Ne- socializing certain norms don't come normally to us, mm-hmm. but a lot of us will study them and mm-hmm. basically become ex- like you're a sociologist. Like my whole you study. Thing.
1: And this is the thing, like I'm very good in social situations because I have a script in my head and I know exactly how I'm acting in all of those situations.
0: Yeah, it is very much like we know the rules and we decide which ones we're going to follow and which ones we're going to toss out the window because they're silly. Yeah. Which is something like bringing it back again to Christianity is something so much like what Jesus would do, right? Like, yes. I definitely see him as very resonant to me as a trans person and as an autistic person.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, because Jesus would come into a town and he would say, okay, I would like to have dinner with the person in the town that you would least expect and who you will hate. Yes. You know, yes. And, yes. And how is that not a trans story? Like, how is that not a, a queer way of doing things? Mm-hmm. Also, like, if you Even in the... um And I love that you do your own translations so much, but even in kind of normal, like NIV or whatever translations, like Jesus is sassy.
0: He's so sassy. He's
1: so (laughs) sassy. Like I'm imagining the like, you know, the little hand and the whole, like, he's so queer.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Oh yeah. Can you imagine a straight person being like, get behind me, Satan? No. Exactly. Oh gosh. Yeah. I love Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it's,
1: so, it's so nice to uh be able to talk to somebody who also is like i love jesus i'm also so trans
2: yes, yes yes yeah
1: and i think this is why i always i was always so upset and so resentful you know like i'm i'm really grateful actually so my ex very much kind of brought me back into like churches and christianity because he was like not all christians hate you and i was so convinced Ooh before I met him that like, you know, I I can't go to a Bible study because they'll tell me I'm going to hell. And I think I've always been so resentful because I am that level of Christian. Like I'm, I have a a J on my ankle for Jesus. I'm I'm so angry. (laughs) And I love God so much. And I've always felt very Um, betrayed that I'm not allowed into these groups of people who are the same because I'm queer yes it just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem fair
0: yeah like you have the energy and the excitement and but they just they don't like that they're like not that kind of energy like
1: (laughs) and then you try and kind of bring that energy in in queer groups or try and find that Mm -hmm. and it's really hard Mm -hmm. to and it's It's been amazing like finding your podcast and also like Greenbelt, meeting lots of people there who are similarly like training to be in the church and also really queer.
0: Yes, yes. One of the main things that like gives me hope for the future and energy for my day is getting chances like this to just chat with someone who yeah, who gets it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really great.
1: Yeah, you're not alone. It's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's also really important on that to say like, it has been a journey. And yeah. like, <laughs> it has been a journey of like crying outside churches in the car because mm-hmm. I'm like, why does God hate me? It has been like, oh. you know, like desperately wanting not to be trans. Like it, mm-hmm. I think it's really, it's really hard when you're a baby gay, when you're a, a young trans or a young queer person to look into mm-hmm. the community and be like, but they're all fine. And they all Mm -hmm. know what they're doing, and why Mm -hmm. be okay, you know, and to feel like you're the only person who doesn't want it and doesn't know what to do. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think it's it's
1: been a a difficult journey. I'm a Stonewall person, person of faith role model, so I also like talk to young trans kids, and some of them Mm -hmm. are still very much on the start of God hates me, and you know, there's, there's a lot there. But I think it's about, you know, you just have to do the work. You have to put in the work and do the research. And I think this is what's so amazing about Mm -hmm. Christianity. I mean, you know, so my ex, um, my ex-girlfriend is a Sufi Muslim and she's Mm -hmm. queer. So, you know, I know that like there are in lots of religions, it is there when you look for it. But I know, especially in Christianity, like the Mm -hmm. the more you read the Bible, the more you find stories, right? Like it's. Yes. It, it's all there. It's all canon, um mm-hmm. and I think that's what I find so frustrating when I talk to people who are anti-queer, who are uh, christians yes. They're like, "Oh well, have you not read the Bible?" And it's like, "Yes, actually, I have. You haven't."
0: <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the um the Stonewall Person of Faith group. I I hadn't heard of it. You mentioned it in your email, so I like did a quick Google, and it sounds really cool. Would you want to? talk about yeah. what your experience with that has been
1: annoyingly it's a lot less cool than it sounds oh so, yeah i saw that stonewall were advertising for a call like a one-day course and i applied okay. and it was basically like we went to stonewall for the day and they kind of talked us through like i don't know like activism and like we discussed like how we reconcile our gender slash sexuality and our faith, and that was really cool. And it was really amazing mm-hmm. to be in the room with so many people who were queer and religious. It was a, a bunch of mm-hmm. different faiths. Um, but you know, while I was there, somebody was misgendered um, mm-hmm. quite yeah. terribly, actually, not by Stonewall, but by one of the other members.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, I don't know that there wasn't much follow up. We weren't we weren't really given the tools or the time to actually set up projects, which was what we thought that we would okay. be doing. But like mm-hmm. that said, it was a cool initiative. Um, the people, all the people who I did it with were absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, like the facilitators on the day were were great as well. But I, I just think it mm-hmm. it it could have been a lot better. But um mm-hmm. actually having been it, it's been really cool because it's meant that people send me. So friends of friends of friends are like, oh, I have like, know this person who's struggling. And then I get sent them mm.
2: yeah, to yeah, somebody
1: yes. in Hungary who was um, like not out, but really looking forward to being out when they got to the UK. They were coming to the UK for oh. studying, which is cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it is a really cool initiative, organization. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully like they'll keep it improving. And you were saying, so it, it is like an interfaith.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we're a small community and we have so much to learn from each other. And I think that was, that was what was so great. Um, when I used to be with my ex-girlfriend, like, you know, discussing the differences and the similarities in faith. And I think, yeah. you know, we can all learn about the same God and we can all learn about how we do faith. Yeah. It's something the Quakers are really good at. The Quakers are completely into faith.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. Um, I would love to hear more of that because that's just something I didn't know.
1: Yeah, so it started off with George Fox as a very kind of Christian thing, but it started off in that George Fox, I don't, to be honest, I don't know as much of the like historic specifics as really I should, but basically- (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) God told George Fox that like everybody should be equal and everybody should have a personal relationship with the divine. But we don't mm-hmm. talk about, we do talk about Jesus and Jesus' example, but we talk about the light. And, and you ha- instead of being like, oh, I will pray to God that you're well, you say, I will hold you in the light.
2: Mm-hmm. And so the, mm-hmm. the
1: main pillars of being a Quaker are, number one, um, you believe that everybody has light in them, everybody has a kind of a goodness in them, which mm-hmm. means, number two, you're generally anti-war and like pacifist. Because, you know, every human being deserves respect. And number three, um, be tolerant of different ideas. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of it. (laughs) And then everything else is um, what do you think is best or what by committee do we think is best? And we all meet in silence Mm -hmm. and then there's no leaders. There's no one's in charge, which I always kind Mm -hmm. of forget is so, so like anti what we're used to no one's in yeah it's all completely
0: revolutionary
1: yeah completely revolutionary it's all done by volunteers Mm -hmm. and like um people nominate themselves and nominate others and it works Mm. and it's great um so yeah i have a friend who's a buddhist and a quaker i know a lot of people are atheists i know a jewish quaker you know it's, it's a lot more like a way of life and a way of looking at Things.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm, I'm sad I didn't know that before because, like in seminary, we talked about Quakers a good bit, and that never came up. That you don't have to be Christian to be in the community. Yeah. That is that makes my heart so happy.
1: Wonderful, isn't it? Um, Yeah. And then something else that for me was really important, which is a lot of Quakers. Well that again, you can't really say a lot of Quakers because there's so many different beliefs, but one of the yeah. Quaker kind of suggestions is that there isn't a heaven and that it's our job to build heaven on earth.
2: Mm, and that's mm-hmm.
1: something that kind of lights the fire under so much activism because we have worked.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, this world
0: is not going to go away and we get a brand new one.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we have a yeah. responsibility to, to try and bring heaven on earth. And that, if you compare mm. that to like, I don't know if you've heard of Soul Survivor. It's a very—they've—they've. They've, mm-hmm. This was the last year, but it's a very um, kind of mainstream Christian festival in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember uh, sitting down, and one of the women I was with was like, "Oh, can we just talk about how great heaven's going to be?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just made me feel sick because, yes, mm. I believe in heaven. Heaven's going to be great, but that's just so not what we should be talking about right now
0: like yeah like I feel like you're like when people focus all their attention on heaven it's a way to avoid talking about the issues that we're called Mm -hmm. to fix now like look at how horrible the world is good thing Jesus is going to come any second now and whisk us away to heaven where things are fine so we don't need to we don't need to worry about fixing it yeah
1: but like Again, like if you come back to what Jesus did, like Jesus acted and Jesus was ruthless, making sure that everyone was equal, yeah. and that the, the most marginalized people mattered. And I think, yes. you know, it's yes. the same, it has always been the same with Quakers, like William Wilberforce for slavery. And I know there are American alternatives. It's mm-hmm. so important that you use any privilege that you have to fight for marginalized people. And as a marginalized mm-hmm. person, I, kn- I know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um Quaker spaces were some of the first spaces where women could also have a voice, right? Yeah, so um, one
1: of the key things that George Fox kind of received was men and women are equal, completely mm-hmm. equal. And so yeah. the reason that Quakers were so persecuted in, in Britain in the 1600s was because they were mm-hmm. ruthlessly feminist. So basically oh Quakers became really popular and like really popular in the 1600s. So lots of towns okay. in the UK will have a Quaker meeting house, even if they don't mm-hmm. actually have any Quakers in, but they were, you know, they were against the kind of organized religion and they believed mm-hmm. that men, women and children were equal. And obviously mm-hmm. for the political parties, um who were very linked to the church at the time that was radical and dangerous and so they just put them all in prison
0: yeah and it it reminds me of like like jesus right like the reason he got arrested and and executed is for that very reason he had a message that didn't didn't jive with the powers that be and he didn't just say it but like acted it out yeah the the last thing I always ask is for just um your last you know your last bit of wisdom for uh the folks listening anything you want to uh get out there that you haven't yet
1: yeah um I think the the biggest thing and we have talked a bit about this is like um you know you're okay <laughs> um, like for yeah. so long I I was simultaneously like I'm not trans enough and I'm too trans and like, why, why can't I be like this? Or why can't I do that? Or why did God make a mistake? Or, you know, I need to know if I'm a cis, if I'm a, a trans guy or a non-binary person, I need to know it's really important. And it's yeah. not, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just about thinking, okay, well, like, do I like leg hair or not? And how do I feel about this? And does this t-shirt mm-hmm. make me happy or not? You literally just need to think about like what things in your life make you happy or sad. And I think also in terms of uh, Christian communities, but also generally, um, nobody should make you feel ashamed to be who you are.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: nobody should make you feel like you're they're making a concession for you or that Mm. you know you're not enough but they'll allow it like god made you perfect and i don't mean made you perfect as you are but like the inside of the light in you is perfect and who you are Mm. going to be who you are moving towards is perfect and i think it's just so important to get safe people around you and if you don't if you're not in a position where you can like go on the internet, listen to this Mm. podcast, Um, you know, and, and try and find those communities. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And also like talk to God because when I, you know, before I'd accepted even that I was non-binary, God has been using like the right pronouns and yeah that's that's like the main thing just be kind to yourself and and treat god's creation with respect and i say that knowing it is the hardest thing to do and i'm still mm. not good at it but um mm-hmm. that's okay
0: yeah thank you so much andy for um <laughs> weathering the technical difficulties <laughs> with me No, it's, it's um. not for sure <laughs> talking to you honestly As I mentioned at the start of this episode, there was more to my conversation with Andy than what you just heard. They told me all about their research around the exclusion that bi people and trans people all too often experience both in churches and in LGBT spaces. I can't wait for y'all to hear about that when the special episode on solidarity and intersectionality comes out because, as Andy says, it is vital that we each use whatever privilege we have to fight for the rights of others. If you find Blessed Are the Binary Breakers worthwhile, please support it. Rate and review it on iTunes or any other podcasting platform. If it's safe for you to do so, maybe post about it on social media, or pass it along to a friend you think might like it. And if you want to support me financially, First of all, thank you, and second of all, check out patreon.com slash queerlychristian or ko slash queerlychristian to do so. I am forever amazed that anybody finds my work worth supporting, so to my patrons who offer me $12 or more every month, Ron Hartzler, Willow Hoving, Adrian, and Jay Gebner, thank you. Thank you so much. Alright, I think that's about it for this month. Be sure to check out the episode information to find out where you can find Andy and their wonderful art and writing online. And send me a submission for this special episode if you're interested. Now go on and break some binaries, and be a blessing to the world with your life.